Another history lesson from Captain Norm, getting sentimental about your old fishing tackle, a recap from the blockbuster Pat Ford episode, the mullet run lurkers, Norm rants about paying dues, Billy Beer and Martha's Vineyard just got Miami, all this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. But this real here, let me tell you something. There's a guy out in California, his name is Cal Sheets. I don't know if he's still alive. I think he is. And uh, those guys out there in California, um, fishing on those long-range boats, you know, back in the 70s and early 80s, you know, they're standing at the rail with 50 wides and 80s, catching these big elephant tunas. And then along comes this guy, Cal Sheets, and he he's an engineer, and uh, he figures out how to improve the drag coefficient on smaller uh, lever drag reels. And he made an entire industry of it, and he, he actually changed the fishing reel industry. Uh, and uh, all these guys were buying these, these internationals, uh, and having their, I mean, I, I sent them several reels. And uh, they're taking these 30 and 50 internationals, and he was sending them off. So instead of them fishing, uh, you know, 30 and 50 pound respectively, because that's, that's how the designations work on these internationals, okay? So this is an international 12. Well, this, was, uh, this was designed to fish 12-pound line. Correct. Okay, 12 and 15-pound line. And then they came out with the 16s, and that was supposed to fish 16 pound. And the 20s, the 30s, and the 50s, respectively, were supposed to fish that that class line. Okay, going back to the IGFA classifications. Well, along comes Cal, and he figures out how to fish um, 50 and 60 pound on a 16. Okay, and then once Cal figured that out, and he dialed it in. Uh, all these guys were sending these small little internationals like this one here that you've got here on the desk. And he, I could send this to Cal for a few hundred bucks. He could retool it, and you could probably fish 50, 60-pound line on this reel right here, maybe even more. You hear that? Because, uh, you because hear all the braid. You hear that, folks? Yeah. That's Norm Beckoff. Yeah. Captain Norm's in the studio today, and that's 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 why we get Captain Norm in here. <laughs> Just a plethora of knowledge. I'm a tackle hoe. History. I am. I'm a tackle hoe. You know, and that's and that's what that's what Braid did. You know, Braid. These guys, uh, they didn't have to. You know, once Braid was invented, uh, they used it as backing, and you didn't need all these big, uh, you know, these big reels to stand at the rail with for all this time. So now you could catch. Big marlins and tunas and everything else on smaller tackle, and that's that's. Well, let me tell you why I got that old Pen Twelve down here on the desk. Yeah, go ahead. So you know me, I'm try to keep up on all the fishing podcasts. Right, right, right. So Randy Toe, mm-hmm. he's released some podcasts recently. Okay. And someone told me, hey, check out Randy. Mm-hmm. So you know that kind of content, anything Randy would say be something for you know somebody like me or you that grew up here in fort lauderdale right. or fish heads sure, and all that sure, sure. so he randy till had old tommy green on the podcast oh, mm-hmm. you know and they're going back and telling old mm-hmm. stories and randy worked for tommy and yeah. built rods there and 
got him, you know, educated in the tackle business and all this stuff. And they're going back and forth. Right. So Randy asked Tommy, uh, what was the best fishing that he's ever experienced in his life? Mm-hmm. And uh, Tommy said uh, the Amazon River. And then he said uh, Venezuela back in 19, sure. 1981. Absolutely. And then Tommy went on to explain that he went with Joe Munson and then my mm-hmm. dad, Joe Maggio. Yeah. And they were talking about the line class and the <clears throat> rods and the so on right. and so forth. So I was like, damn. I says, I was there. I still yeah. have that setup because that 12-pound international with those fancy rods. And I wanted to know if Randy wrapped those rods. That's, Where are they? I mean, I could probably take a look and tell you. Those are the green and white ones. Okay. They've been sporting forever. Okay. But so anyway. They look like Boyd's, actually. Well, I'd be surprised if they were Randy's. Well, they were, yeah. Tom, they were yeah. made out of Tom Green's shop. Oh, okay. Right. And Randy was wrapping rods back then. So anyway, I pulled down the old reel and the rods and stuff, and I took pictures of them, and then I sent them to Randy's email. Do you think he would remember that rod? I mean, of all the thousands of rods that he's done. I don't know. I just I was just, just yeah. wondering if he'd remember me or. Oh uh, yeah, well I or, mean, or this, whatever. There's some guys that just remember everybody that ever came across. You know, I mean, my father was like that. Me, I couldn't even tell you about my client last night. Well, <laughs> well dude, I sent him the pictures and stuff, and yeah, sent him yeah. the email or whatever, and I I got nothing back. Crickets so far. It's been like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. But the reel looks cool on the desk, so I just left it down there. Dude, I'm telling you, you gotta get that thing. You gotta get that thing cleaned up and send it to Cal. There's another guy. His name is Ken Baker, and and he does he does these upgrades too. And have him blueprint this. That's what it's called. It's called blueprinting. You gotta have that thing blueprinted for like thirty or fifty pound, and it it would be it be it's it's a smoking little reel, man. That's I'd like to get it. I'd like to get it refurbished exactly the yeah. way it was for twelve pound. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Well, nobody fishes twelve pound too much anymore on on, on these. The, the the one of the reasons why this reel even came out in the first place was for those world record seekers, uh, and they needed uh, they needed a, a reel that could hold a tremendous amount of monofilament line. Uh, so when a big you know a big blue marlin that they hook on 12 or 15 pound test uh goes racing for the moon you know they got enough line to chase them down right yeah yeah right well that, that was that was the reason that reel was made and those rods yeah, and everything else sure. was to do records over there in venezuela and the reason that particular reel is important i'd give you 150 bucks for it right now that wouldn't take, <laughs> that wouldn't take but, but the reason that particular reel is yeah. important is that was my reel sure sure yeah. and when when we were doing the world tournament over there i mean i was just a kid but they had me in there for a junior angler yeah yeah and as a junior angler you know there's not a lot of junior anglers if you catch anything it kind of counts so anyway that particular reel was my reel and you know the way they used to do it back then is you okay you were you, your reel was the short then it was the yeah rigger then yeah. it was the flat and then blah blah, blah. and then whatever fish you, you caught on that reel was your count and we would catch literally then this it sounds crazy but 30 40 50 billfish a day oh yeah and in venezuela yeah no doubt and that yeah. that particular reel yeah. on the day before the world tournament that was my reel. Oh, that's awesome. Four white marlin, 
Oh. Five Sailfish and a, and a small blue. And that was just my reel. And yeah. all the other rods were going off at the same time. And that was the fishing that Tommy was referencing in in that podcast on how great the fishing was back in 1982, 83, and 84 in uh, Venezuela. See, you're, you're very much like me. Um, fishing tackle can be um, sentimental. It can have it can hold a lot of sentimental value. I mean, it's not just in the fish that you caught, but it's where you were, where you were when you got it, who gave it to you. I mean, I've got several pieces that are that are very sentimental to me. That maybe not the greatest pieces in the world, but you know, uh, they, they were just for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, just I, I would never part with them. Well, I was proud enough to freaking pull it out of the freaking stock, take a picture of it, and send it to Randy to see if he thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah maybe he'll, maybe he'll email me one day. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he's a I don't think he's a real podcast guy. Like I don't think he's listened to a lot of podcasts. I think I I've, could be wrong. I've, I've listened to one or two. Of Randy's, yeah. Um, I thought they were all right. You know, there's there's some guys that are just podcast guys, and some guys that aren't. You know, well, I mean, you look, I mean, he's just starting. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to some of the podcasts we did when we first started, oh my God, were they bad? <coughs> well, I'll tell you, um, you know, there's 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 some pretty good podcasts. I got to tell you what though, I thought uh, your podcast with Pat Ford was really good. Um, Getting a lot of good feedback. Yeah, I I thought it was really good. I mean, you know, uh, um, he's he's everything that a lot of people tell me that he is. And he's so talented with a camera. I mean, some some people, and I don't know what it is, but some people just have a natural gift for being able to take pictures. I'll tell you one person who's like that was my first ex-wife. Okay, <laughs> she could take like like Life magazine type pictures with any camera that you give her, and she still to this day is like that. I mean, she takes nature photography and everything else like that. It's really amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, some people just have a natural gift for being able to take, you know, this camera that you and I could give that you and I could take a picture of it, uh, of something, and it wouldn't be the same as if she took this picture and said, or Pat took this picture of the same fish and it would look totally different. Well, yeah. Have you seen my post for the last... 20 years horrible <laughs> pictures horrible pictures Night, nighttime well, tarpon photos you Tough. have you have you actually have some there are some gems in there and i have uh, on occasion i've sent you some that i edited not that i'm any kind of great edit you know i don't i'm not a tech guy but i'll take some stuff and i'll clean it up and so you're not a tech bit. guy no um i mean are you kidding me i just figured out how to update my own gps in the boat so i mean you know well, dude, I tried to watch um, football on Amazon Prime the other day. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out how to pause it so I didn't have to watch the commercials. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you can't on Amazon Prime, I guess. And, um, I mean, it, it seriously bothered me. <laughs> I'm, done, I'm, I'm done with Thursday Night Football. I'm, I'm, they're they're going to force me to do Amazon Prime to watch football? Dude, there's too much football on TV anyway. There's now, a lot of bad football on right now. I love football. Don't get me wrong. Okay, but there's too many days of football. There's too there's too much of it. Now I will tell you this: I had a brand new experience that I'd like all of the listeners out there uh, to hear about. I watched Monday Night Football on ESPN. 
Mm-hmm. And instead of them having, you know, the guy who does the the play by play, and then the other guy who does the commentary, the the uh, you know the caller guy, they had they had zoomed in uh, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, and Shannon Sharp, and they had them like in a column stacked one on top of each other next to the next to the uh, the field of play. And I got to tell you something, you talk, it was like having these guys in your living room with you going to be the only way i'll watch monday night football as long as they'll put it on like that yeah no that that's that they, they did it last year too and i i didn't you know some you know, it's you know yeah it's for kids but it's good it's i'm proud of you that you caught on to it and everything but, hey i'm slow on the uptake you but, know <laughs> but similar to how we did the podcast with jaws yeah yeah as we watched jaws yeah, Lamar sure. and I would yeah, talk. Yeah. that's how they did that that football thing on espn with the Peytons, and um Duff got a lot better than listening to the... Well, we got Troy and um, Joe Buck on there now. They're tired. They're tired. They're tired. That commentating thing is just it's hard just to listen old, to. you know? And I got to tell you something. I, I can't... And that was the worst football of the, of the year so far was Dallas the other night. That was so bad. Do you know that my, my cousin, who is a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan, was watching the game... And as he's watching the game, he suffers a massive heart attack. Oh, jeez. Okay. Dude. All right. No, Dude. I'm serious. Dude. All right. That's how bad the Cowboys are. They're giving people corner. corner. I don't understand the whole uh, Jerry Jones thing. Jerry Jones is an egomaniac. Well, That's guess, all you got to know about Jerry Jones. I'm just saying, nobody would keep a general manager in the NFL that performed that badly for that long. I'm talking about in today's day and age, okay, there's not a football team or a, 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 a Fortune 500 company that would keep a CEO or a general manager in the same position and watch them fail every single year. How and many, then it's his own money, too. How many years did, how many years did the Kansas City Chief keep uh, Marty Schottenheimer? I thought Marty was good or something. No, Marty stunk. Did Marty suck? Marty stunk until he went to San Diego and then he took him to the Super Bowl, I guess, one year or, or like the AFC playoffs or something way, way high up. And they couldn't pull it off. And they fired him the next year. You know, and look, how about us? I mean, we can't we can't keep a uh, the Dolphins. They can't keep a um, we, we keep a general manager for ever and ever and ever. OK, and we stink year after year after year after year. How long is that general manager? What's his name? Dolphins general manager? I don't know. How long has he been in there? Dude, I don't even know who the general manager is. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They pay attention. Okay. I mean, what does he have on Stephen Ross that he keeps his job this long, as long as we stink this long? I don't know. But they're hiring hiring kids for head coaches, for crying out loud. These kids, you know. The guy for the Dolphins, he can barely shave. Yeah, but you know what? He had some good plays. He had some good calls. I know this isn't a sports podcast, but let's face it. I mean, he. this is the first year that the Dolphins have enough offensive weapons for me to kind of be cautiously optimistic about this season. All right. Enough with football. But these kids aren't paying their dues either. I know that's what you wanted to talk about. The only thing, the only thing about football that could we could circle back around in the, in the podcast is Pat Ford taking the football, football pitchers. We got way off of Pat Ford, well, but what, I mean Pat Ford. Pat, Pat Ford could take a picture. Well, you know he takes pictures for the Dolphins. 
Huh? Right? He only takes pictures for the Dolphins? Well, he takes pictures for a lot of the sports teams, but because he lives in Miami, he's down there on the sidelines all the time. Well, he should be. Well, he's yeah. the guy to get the photo. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, old, old Pat Ford. And the other thing about Pat Ford is um, when you do an interview with a guy like that, yeah, you just shut up. And let him talk. There's some guys that are just like that, yeah. Everything that comes out of the guy's mouth is worth listening to. Yeah. Very little editing. 100%. Yeah, he's not umming and uh, and like he doesn't know, you know, he knows what's coming out of his mouth. He 100%. means it, he says it. Just, you know, pleasure to do an interview when it's, you know, a guy like Pat Ford. And they do come every once in a while. Mike Holiday was that way. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, there's guys that can do it, but. So what was um, what was your favorite part of the Pat Ford interview? Just listening to a guy like that who had all this experience and history, the history behind where he's been, what he's done. Um, he didn't really get, he got a little bit technical and that's where he kind of lost me. But I mean, you know, just a guy with that, that much experience behind him, uh, telling it like it used to be right you, you know what i'm saying and uh where he's been and what he's done and what he plans on doing the guys get so much passion for it and that's well, you do, know you see his schedule huh you oh see, it was his, nuts his schedule I, I, I don't i don't remember exactly but i remember he was going to alaska and then he was going to cabo or someplace well, like that to film the strap it took him like it took him like two minutes just to get through this yeah, just the rest of this year's schedule. Yeah, totally nuts. And for a guy that age to perform at that high of a level, at le- exactly. And then to have that kind of energy yeah. and that kind of pace. I know it's it's just it's great to see guys that have that much fire and passion for what they do, and still be able to do it, especially that you know at at, at his stage of the game. It's great. And did you see he was uh, very much like us, conflicted on all the conservation foundations and stuff. Well, I mean, Cause, the proof is in the pudding. Well, if you talk about it honestly, yeah, and you're not drinking your own Kool Aid, then that's the way you should kind of talk about it. Like, okay, let's talk about what's really happened in the fight for clean water over the last fifty years. Mm-hmm. We got and there's a shit- big long pause. I mean, yeah, we got the shit kicked out of us for the last fifty years. Yeah, all the different foundations, all the different ideas, all the different things that people, you know. We're going to save the environment with and blah, blah, blah. It's like listening to fat people talk about weight loss. Something like it that. It all sounds good, but a very little of it ever happens. Right. And if it does, it doesn't happen for long. Right. And you know I know something about that. Well, and he wasn't afraid He wasn't <laughs> afraid to say it, even though he was involved with you know a bunch of different foundations yeah. and he would raise money for them. But didn't give you all the fluff that most people would give you no he he was he was he was straightforward and uh you know he told it to you like it is you know i think if you get some of these other people in here and they talk about um you know uh clean water and 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 management and everything else like that they're gonna you know they're gonna talk in terms of superlatives and it's just you know that that's not a that's not realistic you know it's it sounds good but it's not realistic and and what's really needed right now in this state especially in fort lauderdale uh and i'm i'm sort of headed down a dark road here but we need some people on the ground that are in the trenches that really know the issues and can really affect 
these changes, okay? We don't need the Jackie Scotts. We don't need the Fort Lauderdale Socialites. We don't need the Wilton Manors wannabes, okay? We need people who really understand these issues. And yes, I called her out by name. I don't care, okay? She stood there and she, and she congratulated Fort Lauderdale City Commission for patting themselves on a back in a public ceremony for cleaning up the Tarpon River. Come on. No, gross. Come on. Totally gross stuff. Okay? Come on. We don't need that anymore on the Fort Lauderdale City Commission. And I'm telling you right now, if any of you guys are out there that are voting in District 4, okay, just just smarten up. Okay? And this goes for Fort Lauderdale in, in general. But just smarten up, Fort Lauderdale. you really got to smarten up, okay? We don't need these socialites. We don't need these people that don't understand the issues. We need real people. We need real guys. And it has to happen. This Trentellis and, and, and Glassman, they need to go. That's old school. That's establishment. Vote them all out, I say. Okay. All right, I'm done with that rant. That was a rant. I'm going to cut a lot of that out, but I might might just let it ride. But no, but the the fact of the matter is the way you're thinking here is the way I would like all the fishermen, all the people that are into clean water to think about in their town. Because, you know, because we live in Fort Lauderdale, we say Fort Lauderdale. But it's the whole state. It's the whole county. It's Broward, it's Dade, it's Palm Beach. They got the problems over on the West Coast. Everybody needs to wake up. Yeah. Everybody needs to freaking vote them all the fuck out. It's not just, but it's not just the fishermen. The fishermen is where it can start, and that's where the grassroots can start. The fishermen have been losing for 50 years, like I said. But the, the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, is if you vote anybody out, you're doing good because everybody Absolutely. everybody has sucked so bad for, for so long. Horribly. And then you know maybe some town has some mayor that you know is very popular and everybody can get behind. I don't know who they are, and if you do have one, congratulations. But just make sure that you know it's about the water. If nothing, it's the else. state of Florida. It's about the water. If nothing, if absolutely a hundred percent, and if nothing else, all you have to do is take a few minutes. It doesn't take long. Take a few minutes instead of watching, you know, the Kardashians marathon. Take a few minutes, turn the TV off, get on your Google machine, and look up the voting records uh, and the statements of the people that you vote for. It does not take long to get educated, okay? People and if that identifies with what you're thinking, so be it. Okay, but if it doesn't, and I suspect that most people aren't too keen on the local incumbents, <coughs> then you got to get rid of them. Well, but get rid of them for the smart, the, the right people. First thing you do is you ask the the question: Who's running on water? What does that actually mean to every individual that's getting ready to vote? Because most of them doesn't even know what that means. So if we can get them just to that part, like okay, who's running on water? Yeah. What the problems are? Then maybe, maybe we'll get the right people. And, but but getting rid of the status quo, getting rid of the people that have been in there, that's the way. We got to add clean water, winning ticket, not toilets. <laughs> no more okay? toilets. Okay, no more toilets. We don't need any more toilets. Okay, if you're city commissioner, if you're mayor, if you're councilman, whoever the hell it is, okay, if they've been adding toilets, they're the ones that needs to go. It's true. That is true. 
And what does that all have to do with everything? Well, nothing. No, it no, it has a lot to do with a lot because it's friggin' what's the date today? The seventeenth. Okay, so we're halfway through, more than halfway through September. Yeah. Do you know how much bait or mullet specifically I've seen come down the intercoastal so far at September seventeenth? I I wouldn't be surprised if it was zero. It is zero. Yeah. It is zero. And there's a whole bunch of fools out there that are sitting back at home waiting for somebody like me to post a picture of the mullet run so then they can go fishing. There's some posers out there that are trying. But that that's what's happening. The vast majority of people are sitting back, okay, and they're waiting... For you to call happy bait. For me to call happy bait, or for some poor fool that actually is down there working to see a school of bait to post it. Yeah. And then they're going to go. And you know they're missing the fucking boat. And you know why? They haven't paid their dues. They don't know where it's at. They have no clue what dues are. But the reason they're missing the boat is because the other fish are coming through without the mullet. I'm seeing the big tarpon coming through. The schools of jacks are coming through. The fucking... Yeah, they're just eating something else. I don't, I've seen I've seen different stuff out there. The port was full of cigar minnows for like 10 days. Right. Okay. But the mullet haven't been coming, but everything else is starting their migration. Right. And that's what I mean. If you sit back and wait for somebody to post a picture of a big mullet school, which may not even show up this year. Yeah. Because it barely showed up last year. You're missing the boat. I am watching. So Okay. So in, in, in August. The average fish around Fort Lauderdale and the intercoastal, and I'm seeing fish, I mean tarpon, of course. Right. Of what else, of right, course. Right, right. So they're small. They're, they're 10 to 30 pounds. Right. Super fun to catch. Yeah. Everybody loves them, but they're small. Then the next pot of fish come rolling through, okay? It's kind of like, you know, you warm up with the, you know, the JV team, and then the varsity team starts to come in, and then you go check out the college team, and then you get the pros. But what I'm saying is is you're not seeing the schools of mullet, but those other fish are migrating through. Are they now? They're going to migrate through. The days get shorter. The temperature yeah. starts yeah. to drop. And just because you don't see the mullet run does not mean that the other fish are not coming. Sure. And I've been smoking them <laughs> all by myself. Smoking them. And I'm thinking to myself, these fools are sitting back waiting for somebody. They're waiting. They're waiting for YouTube. They're waiting for the. They're waiting for the reports. They're waiting. They're. They're stand, This is what I mean by paying your dues, okay? Because if you know what did, how did we ever fish before there was the internet or YouTube? Okay, we had to go out there and we had to be there every day to know what was going on. Okay, nobody waited around uh, for a phone call to come in or a pager to go off okay we were standing there on the piers on the jetties uh, if we had a boat we were watching and you know i mean it it we had to be there on the scene is 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 that what you were getting at when you were telling me you wanted to talk about people not paying dues man i gotta tell you something i don't know because people how... have, people haven't been paying dues for so long <clears throat> that most people don't even know what paying dues means they, they break, don't break that down Norm, explain to the audience what you mean by somebody paying their dues. Okay. All right. Real simple. Paying your dues is where you put in your due diligence to get something done. That's what's called dues. All right. And you're going to, instead of getting that immediate gratification, you're going to learn more about, you're going to learn more about the craft 
and more about the conditions and more about what it takes to succeed by trial and error, by seeing what works and what doesn't work, and by honing your craft. Okay. Nowadays, like for example, boat captains. I'll give you a perfect example of it. Okay. So, so I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a go whim. ahead. I'm gonna go out on a whim here. Limb. You're irritated. Well, what the? Okay. Okay. So, okay, you get these guys. Listen, boat captains. You and I came up in a time where a full-time boat captain was a full-time boat captain, and that meant that you did everything. You did the. You did all the. All the preventative maintenance on the boat. You kept up the appearance of the vessel. You made all the, uh, you know, all the electrical uh, modifications in the boat that needed to be made within a certain degree of skill. Um, you did the bright work. You did the teak. You did, you know, touch up paint if you needed to. Um, but I mean, you had the complete skill set for that position. Now. A boat captain is more or less of a babysitter, uh, a project coordinator, an, uh, an insurance satisfier. An insurance satisfier. That's a good one. And you know, these are guys that instead of doing it themselves, picking up a chamois, uh, washing the boat once or twice a week, uh, instead of doing that, uh, they're farming it out to everybody and their mother. And the worst part about is that the owner most owners these days aren't experienced enough to know the difference right they're that most of those owners are gone okay so they think this is what the captain's supposed to be but then you got old school guys some real old school guys that can do it from top to bottom and there's still a few of those types around well and i know i know captains that are irritated right now with a lot of their jobs because they have paid their dues and they know a lot about boats and they get a brand new 93 or what did the Viking do it 100 now or they whatever? Did, they did a 92. That 92, was the biggest right? one. 92, right? So you get yeah. a brand new 92 fucking Viking and everything on the boat has an electronic brain. And the poor captain couldn't fix it if he wanted to. Plus, it's under warranty. So he's not allowed to touch the stuff. Or it voids the warranty, so they're not. All they're doing is babysitting the boat and watching the companies There's that have warranty certain, come yes. to it, and they're getting irritated. Like it's that, bothering the piss out of them. Well, because they can't just use it. Right, they can't use it. Yeah. They can't fix it. Yeah, they, you know, they don't. They don't feel like it's. You know, they're they're doing what they're supposed to do. They don't have a relationship with their boat. Right. No. Ab absolutely. And and there's you know as as boats continue to get bigger and more complex and more sophisticated. Uh, that's you know that's going to happen. I mean, I'll promise you that the last guy to ever drive a horse and carriage was probably the best at it before cars came out. Right. <laughs> okay, and and then he just fell right to the bottom of the pack with everybody else that had to learn, and that's where he's at. So this guy who has paid his dues. Uh, on the horse and buggies now all of a sudden is in the same class as the 28 year old captain uh, who's on his first issue of his ticket and has to learn the same systems that is my greatest i'm going to be honest with you that is my greatest fear in the world hmm. okay is i have to go out and i have to learn new systems i've never walked i've never stepped foot on an azimuth 
Congratulations. Okay. And 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 I'm and and to to a to a certain degree, I'm proud of that because I don't want to run those boats. But at the same time, I know there's going to be a day where I may have to. And you know, I I knew this guy. His name is Lee Borkowski. Super super smart guy. Really good captain. Um, you know, came up on dinner boats and 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 head boats and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, really, it, it was and still is a top name. Well, he got hired on at Denison Marine, and of course, Denison's got all these super fancy, mid-sized yachts. Right. And his job was to, um, you know, bring them in, take them in, get them cleaned up, um, and deliver them to, uh, new to to new buyers. Well, he had to learn all those new systems. And he told me, I mean, this is, and this is a smart guy. And he told me, he says, look, he says, I got to be honest with you. When I started, uh, when I started with these guys, you know, these new systems were, you know, they, they were a bit to get used to, but you know, it's as soon as you figure out the technology, it's no big deal, you know? So it's like anything else, but, uh, but these kids aren't paying their dues though. So like. What are you down there at like Southport having a beer or whatever? And you're looking at dudes and you're like, this guy pays fucking dues? Some of them do and some of them don't. But I mean, most of them don't. I'm talking about your mindset. Like, are you down there like looking at a guy like. Me? Depends on how arrogant he is. Okay. If he's sitting there and he's talking about this boat or that boat and this system and that system and and talking about fishing this you know it, you know putting on the show so to speak i call it right. okay um i'm thinking to myself is this a youtube captain is this a guy who learned what he was doing by watching youtube videos or did he go out and pay his dues so you are you that's that's what's going through your mind You're okay like, in, in some ways that's cool you know in some ways it's cool. I, just, we're trying to get the perspective of the whole situation here i mean you know because 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 i mean it happens you know it happens to me quite a bit like i'm out there i'm fishing right yeah some some fool pulls up in a pathfinder or whatever <laughs> you know he pulls or he's up a t-topper he, he pulls up and the first thing that goes through my mind is who is this guy right why is he where i am right and exactly. Like, How does he know to be here? And the stuff starts—it starts flying through my mind. Yeah. Did he pay his dues to get there? Why? Why is that? You know. Well, he's probably a YouTuber. No, we, okay. we got to get some sort of shrink or something in here to explain that. Oh. Because that's natural. It happens to everybody. I'm sure. We always choose the path of least resistance. Okay. <laughs> the majority of people choose the path of least resistance unless they're forced to work at something. And the people that are forced to work at something are always the best at it because they had to figure it out. Even if they had a little help, even if they had a mentor. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about people that influenced us, like our fathers, okay? Or maybe another captain or even a mate. It doesn't matter who it was, okay? We talk a lot about that. But you go and you go 30 years into the future and you ask some of these young captains who their mentors were, I don't know if they're going to really have a lot of answers for you. Okay? I feel you. Because there's so, many, there's so many YouTube captains out there. There's so many guys that just went onto the Google machine and they looked up this stuff. And I'm not saying that that's not 
an intelligent way uh, to to learn something, but it's not hands on. It's not somebody taking you, you know, by the scruff and going here, sand this. It's not somebody saying, "Let me show you how to no, tie no, that no, knot." No, the, the, let me let me or back, rig that bait. Let, let me let me back up. That is not an intelligent way. Okay, if you don't want to say it, I'll say it. That's not an intelligent way. People say, "Oh well, I learned from YouTube." No, you saw it on YouTube. Yeah. You learn. Yeah. Like you said, when you go out there and you do it yourself. Right. You you you, can, you don't learn on YouTube. You see it on YouTube, and then you go out and then you learn it. You yeah. Well, me? exactly. All right. That's that, and that's a really that's a that's a great point. But I mean, you can't develop the hand-eye coordination for something you don't know how much pressure to put. Uh, you know, on a ballyhoo to to thread the hook through and not cut his gill plate. I mean, those are just things that you can't learn on YouTube. Right. Okay. Um, how much pressure to put on a knot before you can break it. I mean, there's just there's, and I'm talking basics, basics. Okay. How to you know how to uh, how to lay on lay in some varnish without uh, creating a holiday. You can't even see a holiday on 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 YouTube. Okay. And most of these guys, they don't even know what a holiday is. Okay, they they hire the guy who is worried about the holiday. All right, let me let me let me ask you a question. Um, all right, so at a boat company nowadays, okay, because there was a time when people were boat builders, right? Okay, and the boat builder could do basically everything, all mm-hmm. the crafts, all the way up. Then. Okay. Some. At, well, at the beginning, they pretty much all could, and if they didn't, they hired. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you they vehemently. Hire, or they would one. hire a guy that knew everything. Okay. Yes. Okay. Either way, there was yeah. the one. There would be somebody that could go from step A to step Z and could do it all and knew it inside and out. Okay. With the boat companies today, yeah. if somebody says, "I'm a boat builder," what the hell does that even mean anymore? Okay. Good, great question, and I'll tell you the answer to that. Okay, boat builders have become a lot smarter about the way they build boats because they have partnered, literally partnered, with other companies so that they could package the boat properly. All right, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of it. It started really back in. Oh, probably the late 80s, mid to late 80s, when small boat manufacturers were packaging motors with their hulls, okay? So you could only get, say, a Mako with a Mercury engine, okay? Uh, or you could only get a Seacraft with, right, you know... That package. Uh, that package. That, that's all that it was, okay? They weren't... They were partnered together, but they weren't in bed together this is just what you got this is how it was okay they weren't it wasn't in the same factory now you've got now you've got boat builders uh that are real partners in the business like viking and pipe welders okay i'm pretty sure that every viking that comes with any kind of aluminum fabrication is pipe welders fabrication okay um and uh you know, so a lot of these guys have, have partnered together. Um, yes, a lot of these guys can finish the job from top to bottom. A perfect example. The 
Let me let me let me ask you like this, right? So the boat builder goes out and he hires a little Latin guy that's really good with fiberglass. Yeah. And he's the guy that's laying the glass. Mm-hmm. Is he a boat builder, the guy laying the gas? No, he's good at one thing. He's the glass guy. He's the glass guy. Okay. Yeah, he's he's the gla- he's the glass guy. But here's the here's the the, the thing. Years ago, I'll give you Carolina boat builders are a perfect example of this, and this is the example that I know best. Years ago, Carolina boat builders, most of them were charter boat captains that could build boats. And so they would build boats for themselves, and then they would sell those boats, and then they'd build another boat for themselves, okay? And they built their business up from that. Um, but very few, if any of them, uh, were known for their finish work. Okay, the interiors were very sparse. Again, these were charter boat guys, okay? They didn't know anything about, you know, moldings and, you know, getting mahogany interiors or teak interiors and ordering the woods and finishing and everything else like that. And fine they, tow rails. And, and fine tow rails. None of the none of that happened, okay? That was that was that came much later when and so what was happening was is guys like my father um, who wanted a merit didn't want to wait for a merit or pay the merit prices were going up there they were buying these they were getting these boats built and they'd bring them down as a shell and then we would hire uh finish guys down here to finish the interiors right okay so you get a basic boat your engines uh your controls and then bring it down here and finish it well now it's a one-stop shop up there Okay, um, Meritz was probably Merit, Merit and Rybovich right. both. Those guys were the first custom boat builders that I can remember that figured out how to put fine interiors together. Right. Okay. Right. And they did it really well, and then the rest of them figured it out. Yeah. Now Rybovich, in my opinion, when it came to the glitz mm-hmm. and for the finer things on a boat, mm-hmm. they kind of set the. They set the bar. Yeah, they set the they bar. They set the bar. And they invented that kind of shit. They made it cool. They made it where every rich dude that had the money had to get it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. No no doubt about it. And and you know what? I I saw a couple of older Rybovichs the other day, and maybe one was a 37, and it was for sale. And I just thought to myself, oh, Don't man. do it. Don't oh, do it. Oh, man. <laughs> You're glutton for, glutton for punishment. Oh, Norm. man. It was, you know, but I mean... Just the, the, the heritage behind these boats, the style, the craftsmanship. Craftsmanship is what's gone in, in boat building today. Right. And that's the problem. And the, and, and well, the, the boat companies are run like factories now. You know? so, well, it's, it, they're run by factories. And one of the reasons they're run by factories is they're, de- they're responding to demand. See, most boat owners these days are these nouveau riche uh, right. younger guys that... They don't they care. Don't, they, they don't they care don't even about know what they're buying. They don't what know what they're buying. Right. They just want something that looks sleek. And well, you've been in Miami. You know what it looks like. It's Azimut Central down there. Okay, it's all Clorox bottles. There's not a there's not an ounce of craftsmanship. So when you see that down there, when you see that crazy looking boat, you know? big center console, deep impact. Mm-hmm. Do Do you ever not think of Miami when you see that boat? Take a picture of that boat and tell me you're from Miami without saying you're from Miami. I'm just saying, if I saw that boat, yeah. you know, in some place like Newport, Rhode Island, Ugh. 
the first thing that would come to my mind would be like, damn, they came all the way from Miami? <laughs> yeah, they showed up. It's, it's like the Mexicans on Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> the, 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 the Deep Impact Boat. <laughs> Dude, that's a Miami boat. It's, oh, it's totally. Listen, there's, there's so many things that you can see on the Miami waterfront that you're just not going to see anyplace else. Um, and it's because of the culture. And it goes, it's everything. I mean, it's not just it's not just the boats or the owners. It's the captains. It's the guys that run them. It's the people that are on them. Um, you know, it's the music. It's the glitz. You know, I saw a boat that I swear to you, it was at night. I was I was sitting at the dock uh, at, at uh, Venetian Marina. And this boat rolled past me. Uh, it was out in the channel. And I could not tell what the boat was. Because there was so many club lights and disco lights that were emanating off of this thing. I, it looked like a scene out of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay? With all the Humpty Dump music blaring out of it. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that was great. <laughs> you know, but no, it had the Humpty Dump music coming out of it. You know what I mean? I thought, I'm, I, I, here I am looking at this thing going, we've been contacted. But no, it's just another Miami uh, douchebag boat. But that yeah, see Norm. I don't know if you, if you're buying into this whole equity thing, because you're not allowed to say that anymore. Sure, the, you the can. Douchebag guy. You know what the problem is? Is not enough people do. <coughs> oh, that's 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 that's, that's, that's call a spade a spade. <laughs> All right. This guy. Let me tell you something. This guy last night he got crappy with my bartender. This is my client from last night. He got crappy with my bartender on the big boat because he wanted more drinks after the trip was over. The lights are up. The DJ's packing it in. Most of the people are off the boat. This guy's crappy drunk. And he's from Atlanta. And I can tell you what that's all about, but not on the podcast. And this guy, he looks at me and he goes, what do I look like a clown to you? Well, he was dressed like a Muslim prayer rug wearing a fedora and I looked at him and I said yeah kind of <laughs> I actually told him yes and he looked at me like I had three eyeballs no you have to start telling these people like it is because otherwise this 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 political correctness this I'm offended by everything just runs amok we need to start slapping these people back and with some truth bombs so you're not buying into the equity thing absolutely not <laughs> Not a hundred, not in a zillion years. Well, see, that's where you and I differ. See, I'm a big equity guy. <laughs> see all these fucking fly rods and rods and everything. Yeah, I'm gonna bring them down. I'm gonna give them to somebody. Yeah. Just well, just because that's what you're supposed to do. Why? Who told you that, dude? You gotta. Why get... would you just give somebody your stuff that you earned? I thought this is what I'm telling you. I believe in equity. You don't. No. That's it. That's what it's all about. I mean, that's your, but you know what? Having said that, that's your business. If you want to give away your stuff, you go give away your stuff. Right. Since, since, but don't foist that on me. Right. And don't ask me to do it. All right. Okay, because I'm not paying for your kid's school education, or am I? All right, so we're going to get into a little bit of political current events <laughs> with DeSantis and the people down to Martha's Vineyard. I'm so happy to have that governor use my tax dollars to send 50 of those people to Martha's Vineyard. You know, these uh, these it, people are coming here listen. across the border for a great opportunity at a new life. Dude. And DeSantis sends 50 people 
to Martha's Vineyard, where there's the most money in in all of New England, Dude. those people have no idea how good they got it, and everybody's bitching. Well, dude, now the people in Martha's Vineyard knows what it feels like to those Floridians when they move here. So when that fool from Martha's Vineyard buys a place down there at Ocean Reef, we're just like, oh, geez, not another one. <laughs> oh, my God. How are we going to handle this? No. More losers like that? You know, yeah. Well, or if we went to Martha's Vineyard with a, with a, uh, with a, fleet, of, um, with a fleet of azimuths. Don't Miami my Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> I don't know. And that's what DeSantis just did. He Miami'd the piss out of Martha's Vineyard. Okay? I think it's great. I think it's delicious. 50. We got millions of people streaming across the border, and nobody says anything. The media is silent. Nobody says anything. It doesn't matter. DeSantis sends 50 of them, and all hell breaks loose. We totally Miami'd the piss out of Martha's Vineyard, and I couldn't be happier. I don't know. I mean, there's things that make me happier than that, but it's fine. It's the whole thing's kind of fucking. It was funny. delicious. Are you kidding me? Send them another fifty. We don't even have to send them a lot. So, One plane a week. That's fine. So, dude, I'm gonna make my own little sign to put out in front of my house. Yeah. And I'm gonna, you know, let people know that I'm open-minded and I'm okay with somebody from Arthur's Vineyard moving on my street. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to be offended by it. And we have enough social services and stuff to handle people from Martha's Vineyard when they move here. <laughs> you know what I mean? The only problem I have with it is is they're forcing rents up. Dude, I just, I'm, I'm having to move at the end of the month. I've never spent that much money in rent in my entire life. Those are the New Yorkers, not the Martha's Vineyard people. The Martha's Vineyard people, it's, it's different. The New Yorkers, though, and all these other people that want to be here. Yeah. That's the way it's, that's the way it's going. And... Like the small business guy here in South Florida, yeah. Like I watch and I like like. Are you crazy? You're actually going to try to open up a small business in a place they're flattening any place that a normal person can rent. Yeah. And now renting into some giant corporation like a yeah. Chipotle or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't compete with that. Yeah. So one guy one guy can afford fifty thousand dollars a month in rent, and one guy can afford five. Yeah. Now the little guy's on his way out. There's no on, two ways about been it. On his way out. Yeah. There's there's no two ways about it, and it's going to get worse because this inflation they're talking about Carter style inflation here, um, very quickly, very soon. They're talking about continuing interest rate hikes and everything else like that. And without getting, you know, overly economic or political about it, um, I quite frankly uh, think that there are a lot of people who have not seen that kind of economic hardship that are about to get a big eye-opening experience let me learn you something let me learn you a little something about oh, jimmy yeah. carter you know jimmy carter can make a pretty mean boiled peanut <laughs> yeah yeah in my book that means something yeah it's you know if you that's can make his it, craft if you can make a decent boiled peanut that's you can build a house too is he a good carpenter type yeah man i mean but let me tell you something jimmy carter you could take, you could say all you want for, f about who he was as a president, and he was a terrible president by all measured standards, except that he was probably one of the best ex-presidents that we ever had. I mean, this guy, he, he didn't, he, he was, he was, uh, what do you call it? That uh, they go out and build homes for the for the uh, indigent, you know. I mean, he, I mean, he.
need a peanut or some framework done, he called Jimmy Carter. Well, and his brother, his brother Billy, was, Billy Beer, was the first microbrewery guy. <laughs> I mean, if you th- I remember Billy Beer. Do you remember Billy sure, Beer? Sure, right? I remember Billy Beer. Was that not the first microbrewery type beer you uh, ever heard of? It might have been, yeah. Right? It might have been, sure. So, I'm going to give him the credit for the whole microbrewery thing. <laughs> and, and do you know if you have an unopened can of Billy Beer? It's yeah. worth a fucking fortune right now. Is it really? Yeah. Hey, it's going to be flat and stale. No, but, but it, still, the whole just... idea that you have a... Uh, unopened Billy it's, beer it's by a piece of history Jimmy Carter's brother Billy it's a piece of history it's wow. a collection it's a collector item wow and if you got like a whole six pack or a whole case oh man it's like it's like crypto or something <laughs> unbelievable that's awesome so Norm do you think the audience now understands you getting irritated about people not paying their dues you know, I don't know if they, I, I, I hope maybe some of that message got through to some of these kids, but so many of these, these younger guys, they just think they have all the answers. And the only thing that I can say to, to them that are kind of figuring out, well, you know, this guy just sounds like an old grumpy dude. That's why they, you know, that's why they, yeah. And by the way, I'm 55 years old. I'm not that old. Okay, it's not like I'm 75. But you're grumpy okay. enough to be 75. I am gr- Yes, I know. I know. Okay, I'm I'm way above my grade. But at the at the same time, you know, a lot of these guys they look at me and they're like, "Oh yeah, Gramps is off his meds or something like that." I got called that on 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 a uh, on a Facebook post the other day. Um, but uh it, you know, they they all think they have the answers until they don't. That's that's yeah, I think that's that's right on, and I, like, I'm going back and forth in my mind right now because originally I was going to call the episode, paying your dues, yeah, or overdue or something like that, you know, yeah. something catchy, but now I'm starting to think, I'm going to name the episode Martha's Vineyard just got Miamied, yeah, <laughs> right? They did get my, I mean, they told, and you know something. Here's the best part about it. It didn't cost anything to do that. Oh, that was it's a pretty, one plane load. That was a pretty fancy jet they sent them boys up on. It doesn't matter. It's one plane load. It's not like we sent them 10,000 of these guys and they flooded the beaches while they're up there sipping on their, you know, Chianti or whatever, okay? I'm telling you right now, they sent 50 of them and the whole left side of the spectrum lost their minds you cannot play it any better and yes we got political on this okay but you know something there's no better way of slapping somebody in the face and making them wake up to a real serious problem that does exist by throwing that problem into their laps well they started it you know, they started, yes, they did. They started with those stupid little signs they put up in front of their houses, saying how gracious they were to accept everybody in the freaking world until they showed until up. They there. showed up there. Yeah, I mean, they set themselves up. It's kind of like Jackie Scott stealing the signs. She was stealing signs. You didn't know about that? No. So Jackie Scott, this is back to District Four in, uh, Fort, in Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Jackie Scott running for District Four, who was she's stealing a, signs? Anybody but her, please. She was stealing Lambrex's signs. Lambrex put the little 
little get the hell out of here dude Lambrex put the little apple tracker thing that you can do with your phone on the signs yeah and friggin it was in Jackie's car they did a police report <laughs> they actually she got busted for it didn't go to jail or anything but what a piece of scata that's that's typical government oh my god that's, funny, that's right? so petty so anyway Norm thanks for being here and now everybody knows that you should pay your dues and Martha's Vineyard just got Miami. Absolutely. Run that dog. Run that dog, pal. <laughs> <laughs>